0: Good morning, and God bless you. Turn in your Bibles to the text that we read this morning, 1 Corinthians 13. If you would stand for the reading of the Word, I'm going to read just one verse to give you an idea of where we're going, how we're focusing on this text. We're going to look at the entire chapter and read through it, but for now, we're just going to read one verse, which is verse 11, and we'll title today's message, I Give Up. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Father, help us now by your mercy and grace to give our lives to Jesus, not just our hearts, our souls, you know, wanting salvation, but learning a walk with you that we can find a happy that other people can't even imagine because it comes from you Holy Spirit so guide us guard us, gift us and gather us together to listen to your heart as this vessel speaks your word may this all give you glory in the name of Jesus we pray, amen you may be seated so this mark is going to this week was going to mark another graduation where another group of our high school students are graduating there's people that are graduating college we talked to a woman the other day and she was graduating another type of school a technical school and all that and there's a lot of things going on and always during a week like this you're going to hear a lot of advice some of it's going to be better than others of course some of it's going to be inspirational some of it will be practical some will be utterly boring (laughs) And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about hopes and dreams and making the most of your opportunities and enjoy this time of your life. You'll never get it back, but you could always say that. But I'm sure that somebody is bound to say, don't give up. Right? Don't you hear that a lot? But what does God say to the graduates? Something completely different. Now, our text today applies to more than just those graduating high school or college. It really includes anyone and everyone. And the advice he gives, we read in verse 11, it's time to grow up. You want to know what I as a pastor, as I as a man, as I as the grandfather to one of our graduates would say, it's time to grow up. Here comes responsibility. Here comes life. You think that you're so happy that, oh, it's finished now. Woo, party! But here comes paying your own bills, etc. And Paul's advice to everyone is, it's time to grow up. Even if you are growing up, even if you are mature, more so. And in fact, Paul doesn't say, don't give up. He says the exact opposite. He says you have to give up if you want to grow up. Now, of course, Paul means something specific here. He says you'll have to give up childish ways if you really want to grow up. And there's a lot of people, perhaps listening right now or listening at some other time later, that are physical adults, but they're spiritual children. And you've got all these wonderful things, and the world thinks you're so wonderful, and all that, and be an infant in God. And that's what Paul is speaking to right here. He says you'll have to give up childish ways if you really want to spiritually grow up. And he says this means something specific. He says you'll need to give up speaking, thinking, and reasoning like a child. And this text will point us to what that means. But let me tell you something. Lots of people have regrets. You can look back on your life and say, what was I thinking? No, none of us have done that. And when you look back on your life, there is an answer to that regret, regret question, which is, what was I thinking? I do it, I think, what was I thinking? The reason you did what you did, or said what you said, or thought what you thought, was that you were reasoning like a child. Your mindset was not grown up enough to handle your situation. And now when you think, I would never do that, it's because you've grown up. Before it seemed like a good option. I have to do this. You can't. What, what else can I do? It seemed like a good option. Now it doesn't even seem like an option at all. There are things in my life that are that way, and I'm sure anybody can give me an amen on that, can't you? Now no matter what you do with the rest of your life, I'm talking to graduates and I'm talking to you if you're 100 to do it well, you have to grow up. Of course, you should have a childlike faith. In other words, you're consciously dependent upon God. But you can't stay childish when it comes to your life how you speak, how you think, how you reason. You need to grow up. And that's what God says to his people. Now, when he talks about things like this, he says, when I, was a child, I gave, when I was a child, I did this silly stuff, but when I'm an adult, now I gave up that silly stuff. He is not dismissing children or the process of childhood. It is very necessary, but you come to the place of your life where you need to grow up and think better and speak better and reason better. Paul isn't dismissing the process of childhood. He's telling you what it means to be grown up. And how to grow up. And what childish speaking, thinking, and reasoning looks like. He's talking about spiritual maturity, but this applies to maturity in general. Anybody with me still? Well, I just don't know. I just, you guess what you're doing. He's not getting to the point. Uh, guess what? Because Paul is calling them spiritual infants. And yet they were working in miracle power. Hmm. We all need this. As people come into adulthood or transition through the seasons of life, maybe you're over 40 and you're going back to school. Maybe you're wondering, where can I move? Or should I do this or that or the other thing? Can I afford to do this? Can I afford not to do this? Whatever it may be. I have to move in with my parents again. My parents have to move in with me. Whatever it may be. You're transitioning through life. It's important to maintain a proper focus. Now, yeah, that's so easy to say. Who's going to deny? It? It's, so, it's important to maintain a proper focus. Duh. Yes, of course. But we're going to look at this entire chapter to help you see how to be mature and how to keep maturing. Because that's what you need. That's what God can give you. That's what me as your shepherd, your under-shepherd in Christ, is supposed to impart to you as you now have your roots and you earn your wings. And I'll say this, and it's true. You will not hear what I'm about to explain from any other source except the true Christian church. And you may not even hear it in some churches. But if you take what God is saying to you into your heart from this text, it will last you forever, and that's not hyperbole. It will last you forever. Now, look at verses 1 through 3. We'll read them in just a moment. The Apostle Paul had a tremendous amount of gifts in his life. A lot of grace given to him by God. He operated in, in, again, miracle-working power. And he was probably one of the smartest men who ever lived. Did you know that? He is certainly one of the most influential. But Paul doesn't speak down to us. Instead, he makes this personal, and he puts himself in your shoes when he uses the word I. If I, if I, if I. He knows he needs this too. So let's read verses 1 through 3. And he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic power and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So here he's talking about prophetic powers and speaking tongues and all these things, and he's talking about spiritual gifts. But I want you to think about these in terms of abilities and other qualities and skills that all people desire and strive for. You see, the con- in the context of spiritual gifts, Paul is also talking about life goals and purpose and about what success really means. Whatever field you want to enter, Whatever ideas or skills you want to develop, whatever direction you might go, whatever season of life you are in, whatever you might like to do, this applies to you. So as we begin, we look at the first three verses of this chapter, and I want you to see these words and think about your life and your goals and your gifts and think about the pinnacle of success and you reaching it. Okay, everybody got me? He says, if if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, in other words, if I have the ability to communicate or connect in a way most people can't, what if you always had the right words to say? The Bible commends this, right? Word fitly spoken? Apples of silver and pitchers of gold? What if you always had the right words? What if you learned that skill? And he says, and if I have prophetic powers, what if you could see the future or boldly predict and proclaim how to move forward no matter the situation? In other words, what if you became a visionary leader in the church, in your business? You know, if you were like these people we always laud, and the richest men in the world right now, I can think of two of them. And they're visionary. And the guy that invented this thing that's in my right hand right now, that half of you are looking at, and you should be listening to me, What if you were a visionary leader? He says, and understand all mysteries. If I could discover new things and be able to figure things out, what if you could untangle the issues and bring clarity to the chaos in your world? What would people think of you? What would you think of you? And all knowledge, if I could learn all there is to learn and even more, what if nothing was beyond your ability to grasp? Think about it now. Think about the case he's building here. Think about it. And if you know the book of Corinthians, you know what he's addressing. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, if I could make incredible things happen, what if you could make the impossible possible? Think about it. If I give away all I have, if I could feed those in need is what that means. And if I became some great philanthropist, what if you shared all you have? Well, you know, I got all these things, but I'm I'm giving back to the people, right? What if you were this great philanthropist? Some of these same people that I'm talking about were great philanthropists. And finally, if I deliver up my body to be burned, if I can become a martyr, what if you gave your whole life for a good cause? Let's repeat those things. What if you became the best that you could be? Isn't that what people say? Isn't that what you're going to hear this week? Be all that you can be. (laughs) Be the best that you can be. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, and neither is Paul. Neither is God. But what if you were the best in your chosen field? What if you always had the right words? What if you became a visionary leader? What if you could untangle the issues and bring clarity to all the chaos in your world? What if nothing was beyond your ability to grasp? What if you could make the impossible possible? What if you shared all you have? What if you gave your whole life for a good cause? It's beautiful. I'm getting texts right now. And that's a good thing. Here. Think about, don't, don't think about me. Think about what he's setting up here. Because between chapters 12 and 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts, and they were thinking it meant certain things, and he was saying, wait a minute, even if it was everything you wanted, and everybody thought you were awesome, you might still be missing something, or you might be nothing, and you might still have all you have, all you need. But what if all these things were yours and abounding? That would be incredible, right? You'd be powerful. You'd be influential. You'd be sought after. You'd be an influencer. But that's what the world's looking for, right? That's what the world thinks it needs. That is, in some sense, what the world does need. You'd feel validated, appreciated, motivated. Having any of these abilities would bring you fame, fortune, and a following. What if you had them all? You'd be living your dream. You'd be living everybody's dream. You'd make your mark. You'd make a difference. You'd leave a legacy. You'd be an incredible success. At least as far as the world is concerned. But what does God say? No, he doesn't say these things are bad. Don't think immediately that you, gotta, you can't have any fun. You can't do well. You're just going to be, oh, woe is me. Not at all. Again, Paul <laughs> was an incredible man. I mean, we're still talking about him today, right? Does he say, does God say these things are bad? No, he doesn't. But he does say that you can have all these qualities, all these gifts, these abilities, these skills, these sacrifices, these successes, and all at once to the fullest extent possible without having what you really need most. That's scary to me. But that means God is also saying that you can be lacking in these things and have less than what many others have and do less than what others do and still have what you really need. And that's very encouraging to me. And you need it to be encouraging to you instead of trying to prove yourself. There's your message. Give up trying to prove yourself, give up trying to satisfy yourself with yourself. Paul isn't saying that you should strive, shouldn't strive to be the best you you can be. And he isn't saying any of these things are bad. Not at all. He's saying that any of these things without love as their center, their anchor, their focus, are worthless in the wrong run. Being goal-oriented without being Christ-centered is worthless. It's a waste of a life. They may get you fame and fortune and a following, but they won't last He says that right in the text. To focus on them at the expense of love is to waste your life. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that know that and are going to say that and they still don't get it because they're defining love as they think it is and not how God thinks it is. So let's look at verses 4 through 7. Because it isn't what you think. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Oh, this is so sweet. You wait. This is me preaching, so, you know. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Does this remind you of someone? It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And there was no punctuation back in the day but there needs to be and there is a period there because the next thing does belong in the next verse it's a a different thought love never ends isn't part of that love never ends is about what he's about to launch into to tell them they need to grow up but verses four through seven you can have amazing gifts and also have love amen that's what you want But too many people think they have them both when they don't. Why? Because they're not using their gifts for the glory of God, but for the glory of themselves. Why? Because they're not defining love as God does. That's the problem in the world. And sharing and sacrificing can still lead to nothing. So it's not that. You don't get to make up for your messing up the environment by having carbon credits or whatever. Right? Now, most often people define love as a feeling. And love is definitely emotional, hallelujah. But it's more. Love is an action. And many people believe that, yet they still don't see it. God defines the character of love. And he describes love in action in verses 4 through 7. And those actions are describing a person. God himself. And that is to say, Jesus Christ. If you really want to grow up spiritually, to mature as a Christian believer, you'll have to give up childish ways of speaking, thinking, and reasoning. So, let's get to it. In the context of Corinth, what does that mean? Because Paul was definitely saying there were children who needed to grow up. And he's not trying to talk down to them. He's putting himself in there too and saying, I. He's not trying to say, you idiots need to grow up. He's saying, look, if you want to grow up, you need to do this. It's time to grow up. You graduates... I know it's time to get your AA, to get your GED, to get this, to get this, to get this. What, what All these things that you want to do, to do the other things that you want to do. I get that. But all those, you get everything you want. And everybody thinks you're great. What does God think that's the most important thing? You can have both. But you must have one or all the rest. It doesn't matter what mommy or daddy or your heart says. It matters what God says. And that's what he's trying to say. Because of anybody. <laughs> the apostle Paul. He was definitely saying they were children who needed to grow up. Paul called the people in Corinth spiritual infants. That's 1 Corinthians 3.1. They were full of jealousy and strife and tribalism. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, right? I'm of Peter. They were far too concerned about what their gifts said about them. Yeah, you were born beautiful. So what? You were born a genius, big deal. You learn how to do all these things, and you can do 50 different things, and you have certifications and everything. Paul says, okay, what these things are good, that's fine. Use them, don't be used by them. Yes, develop yourself, but develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. This most beloved chapter in the Bible is telling you that. People miss it. Remember that song... What was it? What was green days? The time of your life? People think, oh, it's so nice. he's not, it's not, it's not nice. <laughs> what about every breath you take? He's stalking somebody. People see this and they think they are all these wonderful things and it is wonderful, but he's saying, look, young lady, Yuck, young man, look, old people, look, everybody. You can do all these things and think you're great and God give you these power tools and think that makes you somebody. It don't make you anybody. Jesus makes you somebody. And think about those that had these gifts. Not that the gifts are wrong. But then Jesus still said, depart from me. They said, didn't we do this? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal people in your name? Judas healed people, folks. Where's he? Right? So Paul, in this chapter, everybody wants to sentimentalize is saying something down and gritty. He's saying it's time to grow up, but it's in a loving way. And he says the only way you're going to do it is to trust Jesus Christ and give up trying to be somebody. Yes, if you can be a four-star general, be a four-star general, amen. But you can be that. You could be Douglas MacArthur, you know, and if you don't have God, if Jesus is not the center... He said, I shall return. Jesus said, I shall return. I'm not picking on him. Everybody's got pride. That's the point. What do you replace it with? Oh, love, a certain kind of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get going so I don't get everybody angry. But see, they wanted to prove themselves over and above others. Others. And so they valued certain gifts over and above others. And it gave them a self-righteous entitlement mentality. It was pride, and it was a bad place to be. They were speaking, thinking, and reasoning like spiritual children. They talked a big game. They thought too highly of themselves. They reasoned, hear me now. They reasoned that apparent blessing meant spiritual maturity. The guy can preach the pulpit in half doesn't mean... He's spiritually mature. The guy could build a church the size of Texas. Doesn't mean he's spiritually mature. You could be getting everything you want, God answering all your prayers, and it might be a curse. Think what's most important. Give your life to it, and it's a person. But I have already done that. Are you sure? And are you continuing? Paul said, I die daily. Again, they reasoned that apparent blessing meant spiritual maturity, and they were wrong. So Paul talks to them about spiritual gifts in chapters 12 and 14. And then right here in the middle of that discussion, in chapter 13, he stops to reorient them to a more excellent way. He even says that. But I show you at the end of chapter 12, a more excellent way. And that's the way of the spiritually mature. That's the way of growing up in God. Now we're going to run through these verses and we're going to apply it. And then we're going to say amen. Verse 8 says, love never ends. As for prophecies, what he talked about, they'll pass away. As for tongues, like he talked about, they will cease. As for knowledge, yes, it will pass away. Love is the thing that never ends. Love is the thing you need most. Love, not power, not knowledge, not even faith. All these power tools that God may bless you with, all these abilities, all your achievements, they mean nothing without love defining your life. In other words, without Jesus at your center. The ability to speak, the ability to lead, the ability to understand, the ability to learn, the ability to do, the ability to give, the willingness to sacrifice, these can be good things. Amen. But all these things will pass away. Use them. Don't give your life to them. Fire in the fireplace warms the whole house. Fire outside the fireplace burns the whole house. Think. Sex within marriage. Hallelujah. Sex outside of marriage feels like hallelujah. But it's the other but, but, but my fi- That's what he's saying. They felt like they were awesome because look, I touched someone and they were healed. I could talk to people and they listened. I prayed for for cash and here it is. Right? Verses nine and ten. Anybody with me? This is the message you graduates need to hear. Even if you're like me and graduated 40 years ago. Verse 9 and 10. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. We know something about the kingdom of God, amen? And we speak good and right and true things about Jesus. But we don't know all of this as well as we will know it. And one day, on that day, many things will pass away. I was very good at marbles. I collected over a thousand marbles between third and fifth grade. And where are those marbles now? Well, most of them are lost, but, but I kept so many because they're in the Charles Chips can. <laughs> Remember Charles Chips? If you don't, that's my point. Mm. Passing away now again verse 11 when I was a child see he's, he's relating this you see, can you see it? it's the, it's the text opening up for you now when I was a child I spoke like a child I thought like a child I reasoned like a child when I became a man I gave up childish ways that's what the scripture says and I'm adding not to the scripture just giving you a, and so should you is what he's saying Some good things must come to an end because they're not enough. They're just for a season. They're not supposed to last. The Corinthians were all caught up in themselves. They were all about personal charisma, persuasive power, the amount of understanding, the amount of learning. They were full of pride. But recognition and notoriety and platform are not enough in and of themselves. Who are you trying to prove what to? He's trying to prove you to you. What does God say? Now, verse twelve. There's only thirteen verses. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part; then I shall be known fully. I shall know fully, even as I'm known fully. No. Well, one day you're going to fully grow up. Amen. 1 John 3, 2 says it this way. Beloved, we are God's children now, hallelujah, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Hallelujah. And then verse 13. So now, so right now, which is also right now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest of these? Because love is the only thing that's going to last. Those other two will not last. Does that make you nervous? Think. Love is the greatest because love will continue forever. One day, faith and hope will end. They won't be necessary when Jesus returns. Till then, faith and hope are powerful blessings that God has given us, but in eternity, only love will remain. If you thought any of that was preaching, it's not. Now comes preaching. Yes. Go for all that God has for you. But as you start achieving personal goals and advancing in life, amen, I hope you go far. But keep a loving humility in the center of your life. In other words, keep Jesus as your focus. Your pursuit should not be to demonstrate how great you are, but how great God is. Don't be like the rest of the world, be like Jesus. How? Learn to speak, think, and reason like a spiritual adult. Give up your desire to satisfy yourself with yourself. Give up your desire to satisfy yourself with yourself. In other words, learn to give up your pride and grow up in God. Your pursuit should be to demonstrate the love of Jesus, the character of Jesus, through those abilities you have, those gifts you're given, those goals you set, those skills you develop, and the things you accomplish. They're fine. Go for it. But don't be an idiot and point people away from God by your doing it. And if that's what will happen, then don't do it. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. The Corinthians were seeing these abilities and accomplishments as ends in themselves. I got my doctorate. Yay. No one even can hear what you're saying. I got my doctorate and everybody hears what I'm saying. Yay. And what's your goal? They were seeing it as means... Or ends in themselves, or the means to build a powerful and significant life. Oh, adults, I'm about to speak to you. The means to a powerful and a significant life. Or as a sign that God thought they deserved to be powerful and significant. But remember what Jesus said to those he sent out to minister? In Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And in Luke 10:20, Jesus said, "Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." Clearly, here's what I'm saying. Pride is the childish thing that you have to give up. But I'm just a kid, I don't. E- Pride is the childish thing you have to give up. All of our children of God here. And love is the thing that you need to replace it with. This is something you have to battle with your whole life. A lifelong pursuit of love means a lifetime battle against personal pride. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. There you can sing it. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. The more you give up your pride, the more you grow up in God. Now listen carefully. I said just a moment ago, I'm about to speak to all the adults, and here it comes. If the shoe fits, wear it, but this is one size fits all. Listen carefully. Here is the thing that those who are physical adults and yet are still spiritual infants, they aren't spiritual adults, fail to understand. The good gifts that God has given you the abilities and the achievements, the blessings aren't meant to be the building blocks for the life you want to build for yourself. They're mere tools for what God wants you to build. A life that gives testimony, not to your greatness, but to God's greatness. A life built on the only things that will last. Well, I'll just get it all in eternity. they will last then. I can just get what doesn't last now. How silly is that? Here's your Monopoly money. A life that finds its significance, sufficiency, and security in God. A life that points to God whether you win it all or lose it all. A life that is letting go of pride and taking hold of love. And of course, that means Jesus. And this is who Jesus is. He is God. But he took on the human body leaving the glories of heaven to come to earth and to be spit upon and ridiculed and mocked and murdered. Now, he performed many miracles. He displayed supernatural power. His life pointed to the favor of God. But Jesus displayed no selfish earthly pride. He put himself in God the Father's hand. The one person who had some legitimate claim, some valid reason for pride, instead demonstrated the greatest humility because he is the source of love. See how those people say, you know, the opposite of pride is humility. Well, the opposite of pride is love. Love and humility are linked in that way. Oh, yes. You see, the world sees life as a journey to justify yourself. Everyone wants their life to say, I'm good enough. That, you know, my parents said this, but my life's going to say this. The school teacher said this, but my life is going to say this. There you are. I understand the impulse for that. I'm 55, going to be 56 years old in a couple of months. I get it. Here I am in this little church in this little town with this great big voice. And kind of stoner burnout brain, but it used to be a bit great big old brain. We think, I need to show people, because you need to show yourself. It's your insecurities projecting themselves. You don't need that much money. (laughs) You need real security. You don't need to look good for every boy or every girl. You just need one. Yeah. But when you're pumped up with, go for it, you can do it. Follow your heart, follow your dreams, follow your passion. Jesus just says, follow me. What do you expect out of a church preacher to tell you? And I'm using 1 Corinthians 13 to do it. Again, no amount of ability, no amount of achievement, no amount of giving, no amount of sacrifice will ever be good enough to overcome the amount of sinful pride in your soul. Everyone is a sinner. Only God's grace can save you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you do, whatever good or great things you are and do. Only Jesus can justify you before God. So my advice to you is this. You need to give up. Yes, be the best you can be, but don't think that makes you right with God. Give up speaking, thinking, and reasoning like you're going to prove yourself. Oh, did I get some 40-year-olds? Be what God wants you to be. Someone who is excellent, but whose excellence points to God, not to themselves. Give your life to Jesus. Keep giving it to Him. Point your heart to Him, and your life will point to Him. Point your heart to Him, and your life will point to Him. And then you'll learn a way to happy that the world cannot even imagine. Imagine all God's people living for the Lord. Be happy in Jesus and follow Him. Because you know what? Jesus did this. Jesus gave up. He gave up His life to save your soul. It's time for you to grow up. And if you really want to grow up, it's time to tell Jesus, I give up. Heavenly Father. Take these words. Let people read First Corinthians 13 and see it in that light that they can do incredible things, that you will be their wings. If the Holy Spirit's not the air lifting them up, then they're just going to fall to earth and just be something on this earth when they're meant for more than that. We're not speaking down and saying less things. We're saying much higher things. But things that only the Lord can do. Truly significant, truly sufficient, truly secure, truly satisfied. Not complacent, yet restful. Not without temptations and fears, but faith over those things. Lord, help us in our speaking thinking and reasoning to be spiritual adults for the glory of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.